Okay, so just as a reminder, this is an opportunity for you guys to meditate on the scriptures. I encourage you to find something in the text that stands out to you. Figure out how to verbalize that in your head and share it with a group. Um, that is a great way to assimilate God's truths. So if you would, let's stand. Oh, raise it up a little bit. It sounds awfully loud to me, but it always does. <laughs> is that is that better? Okay. All right. Um, so we're going to pick up with that question of where is Jesus going? Okay. Uh, he has said, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. Peter says, I'll go with you. So we're picking up there in chapter 14. We'll read the first 14 verses. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we... Don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. All right, you can be seated. Okay, so um, what stood out to you in this reading? Yeah, Karen. They couldn't come. Where are you going? I 
Right. And now he's saying, I'm the only way, and you know the way to get it. And you're saying, how do we know Good. Great, great summary. I'm going away. You know where, you know the way that, you know how to get there. It's okay. Good. What else? Yeah, Mike. You know, you just finished chapter 13 talking about love, and then he begins for chapter 14 with this idea of wanting to comfort. He's showing love to his, his disciples just, and, and trying to, to, comfort them because he knows what's coming even though they really don't know yet as well. So I think that's kind of the theme you see at the beginning of 14, this idea of comfort and trying to prepare them truly for what, what they're about to experience. Yeah, right. So he's letting them know what's about to happen. It reminds me of Daniel, how Daniel saw this terrible vision. And if it, if it weren't predicted by God, you would wonder if God why did God let, how did he let this happen? But yet he tells Daniel it's going to happen, which means it's all part of God's plan. So here Jesus is telling them what's going to happen because it'll probably seem like God has failed. Good. What else? Yeah, boy. Uh, I noticed uh, earlier you said I'm the water of life. Yes, I think there are seven I am statements in John, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, and I think we've, I think this is five of them. Um, but yeah, good, good point there. So he says a lot of these I am. Um, as far as I know, he said I am uh, the living water. Um, I am the good shepherd, right? Good. Yeah. What, what else? Yeah, Roy. Deity is perfect unity. Absolute one. Okay. So yeah, you, you, you see Jesus trying to inform his disciples about the oneness of him and the Father. Um, and again, I just see this fine line that Jesus is walking to reveal truth, but also not be so sensational about the truth that it drives people away unless they're bent on being driven away. Good. Yeah, Deborah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it was comforting to them to tell them he's going away, but he's also returning. And that's a comfort to us as well. Yeah, the hope that we have. What else? So he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He actually says that twice in this chapter here in verse uh, one and then again in verse 27. Um, and I think we've kind of hinted at that. Any other thoughts about why their hearts might be troubled? 
that uh, in each of the previous three chapters, Jesus is referred to as being troubled in his spirit. Oh, good. What, uh, what to say of that, that uh, Jesus is aware of what's go- uh, going to happen. He's in full control of it. Um, the, these disciples, they're not going to be in control of what's going to happen to them, it's what, it's what's going to happen to their teacher, but he is comforting them, and he takes on the cares and the troubles. Yeah, very good. So Jesus is also has been troubled, right? And you see his humanity there. And you see here, not only is he troubled, he can, he can empathize with the apostles. And he goes, he, his care for them leads him to say, I want to comfort you in this. Micah? Good. Very good, yeah. So the apostles have left everything to follow Jesus, and now he's going to die. What's the next chapter for them? Well, right, right, not faithful. Right. Yep, very good. Yeah. Yeah, to hear that some within this small group are going to be unfaithful and betray Jesus would be very troubling, right? Um, yeah, and it's interesting, uh, back to what Micah said there. Um, what, what's going to happen to the apostles? What are they going to do? And they've just been arguing about who's the greatest and Jesus kind of puts them in their place. Then he turns around and says, you're going to do even greater things than I've done. So you see that balance. Like Jesus is admonishing them, but then comforting and giving them hope and even hope that they will do great things in his kingdom. Yeah, Ann. And you see the human condition here, right? That people are about to deny they even know Jesus or betray him for some silver. It could all crumble in a second. It is teetering on the edge of disaster. And yet, the helper, 
is going to totally turn that around and this is going to be an explosion and we're going to mark time by this event. Yeah, Emery. Right, good. So yeah, it, it is a test too, right? Another sifting of who wants to do God's will above all else. And that person will know who Jesus is and they'll be grounded. Good observation. What else? Yeah, Stephanie? Good, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to be able to look back on this and see. And he tells them so many times, you don't understand this right now, but in the future you're going to look back on this and it's going to give you hope and and uh, comfort. Good. What else? So... Um, what are your thoughts about um, this house with many rooms? It's a very simple illustration. Um, now, what do you guys think of, of Jesus using that? Yeah, Gary. He has to use something that they would understand. Right. Good, yeah. Good. So he's using something they will understand, right? Michael? Um, in Ezekiel, the last several chapters, it has this apocalyptic uh, language of this new temple of God. And part of the description is all of these different rooms where the, where this uh, group of priests, these God's people, are going to be there in the house of God. And Good. so it, you can maybe see a connection there that oh, yeah. the house of God is going to be not just him isolated and alone. He's going to be with his people. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Bob? Seems to be some, some uh, a glimpse or shadow of, of how a family would uh, live together as the family would, uh, as the sons would take wives, they would go back to their father's house, they'd go alone. Yes. Yes. And they had common areas that they shared, but also the idea of uh, 
of a, a, a young man, a husband taking a bride and bringing her home, and the father's uh, blessings on that. And things. So, good, good. Lot, lots of imagery there with with just the family unit, and uh, when the as the disciples and the apostles are learning what the kingdom is actually going to look like, that it's not a physical, earthly hierarchy of government bureaucracy, but rather it's a family with a house and many rooms. Um, Again, I'm sure all of this probably sounds so foreign to them, or at least not what they're expecting. Familiar, but wait, what do you mean? Uh, we were just arguing over who's going to be in the cabinet, uh, your, of your officials. Um, you're going to prepare a place? Uh, what does that look like? Um, so, it's interesting to me to be reading and meditating on this, and then to go back and read some, some things that God communicated in, In the Old Testament, um, it reminded me of God's promise to build a house for David um, in 1 Chronicles 17. And if you don't mind, turn over there. This 1 Chronicles chapter 17, uh, David built himself a house and he's all comfy cozy in his house and he realizes God doesn't have a house. So he's going to do that. Nathan, his... um, kind of liaison between him and God says, sure, go for it. Whatever you've got in mind sounds good to me. And then God appears to Nathan and says, whoa, 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 that's not what I have in mind. I don't have an earthly dwelling place. I don't need anything like that. Never had one. Pick up in verse seven, just in light of this idea of Jesus going, preparing a place, a house with rooms. Just listen to this. Starting in verse 7. Now then, tell my servant David. Again, this is God speaking to Nathan. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue all your enemies I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessors. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Can't help but see so many correlations there in the gospel. Thoughts on on any of that? 
Yeah, Roy. People in the world today, even sometimes us, have trouble seeing the kingdom in the spiritual sense. Right, yeah. The health and wellness gospel, we want our, we want our, uh, blessings, our promises here and now. Yeah. All right. I've also thought of, in verse 2, he goes to prepare a place for you. Jesus is not a house builder in that kind of sense. He's not right. going and, and making sure all the beams are up and things as it should be. By going and preparing a place, the way he's going is through the cross. And if he doesn't go to the cross, he can't have God dwelling with man. And so um, I appreciate that he's going to come back to receive you to himself in verse 3. Uh, just as we saw back in chap- uh, chapter 1, the first several verses, that we are the ones who receive him. He receives us that, in that mutual abiding language. Good, yeah. Um, this picture of a house is just a representation of a relationship um, that we have, that he has with the Father and that he wants us to have with him and the Father. Good. So, okay, yeah, Boyd? Right now, the disciples were so weak and unready for anything at this particular time. It is, it is so exciting. Then you get the group of Acts to see that they are filled with uh, uh, joy and energy and uh, uh, the spirit. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it is encouraging to see uh, the disciples turn this around and become, um, you know, the foundation of the the New Testament church. Good. So, um, one thing uh, that uh, one of the most well-known uh, claims of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. Uh, what implications does that statement have on uh, reality? Yeah, Roy. Right. So it's very exclusive, very limiting. Good. Yeah. Without Jesus, there is no way to the Father, right? And you see that in the way that the Mosaic law is built, that like God is so near, but so untouchable. Um, he's dwelling with, but really a lot of that just communicates how unholy all the people are, that they have to go through all of this for God to dwell among them. 
Okay. Um, what about uh, Philip's statement here? Oh, I'm still in First Chronicles. In verse eight, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. What's enough? What What is he saying there? Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, good. So enough kind of implies that they're 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 falling short right now in some way. Right? Tony? But isn't that I mean Christ all of those things that faith and they don't realize that that is it's all lovely here. And he's asking for just just that side, just that little bit being just actually physically manifest the Father for us. You know. I mean Moses has got some backside. So can we at least, you know, get a glimpse of something so that we don't have to, to have as much faith? Good, yeah. Yeah, he's um, he's wanting to, to get to see some glimpse, right? And uh, I, I know of many people who are struggling in their faith that pray. Just, God, just reveal yourself some way to me. So that it will remove all doubt. Right? I mean, Peter, James, and John got to see Jesus glorified. But the rest of them didn't. True. Yeah. So even the rest of them are, are having to walk a little bit more in faith than, than even those. But, but the fact is that, that even when he was manifested before those three, Peter had already made a confession that he is the Christ. Uh, but. Right. Good point. They they want the same thing we all do. Raymond and then Jesse. Oh, a direct vision of God would well that no one can see God and live, right? Good, yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, again. It's this impossibly thin line that Jesus is walking of trying to help them to see and reveal himself to them, right? Jesse? Good, good. So Jesse's question is, what what was their perception of faith? Like we have, faith has all of this connotation to us today. What would faith have meant to them? And let me maybe add another related question that I had. He says, believe in, you believe in God or believe in God, believe also in me. What does that believe? What, is, what was he saying? Believe in me. What, is, what does he mean by that? I'm 
What do you guys think, Mike? I couldn't help but think of um, in our daily Bible reading several days ago in Mark 9, we read the, uh, the, uh, the, the man that had the new child, and the disciples couldn't um, cast out that demon. And the father cried out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right. So I think there's this idea of we can believe on a level, but we still have a level of unbelief that has not matured yet. And I think maybe that's what we're seeing in the disciples here. They still believe in Jesus, but there's still an unbelief, maybe, or, or, or lack of maturity in their belief to understand that this really is God. This really is, if they've seen Jesus, they truly have seen the Father, and they just can't grasp that. Yeah. Belief is not a light switch. Right. It's a spectrum. And I think part of this, uh, when I, when I read, uh, believe in God, believe also in me, that believe, um, if you look at the other translations, it's, they have trust. Um, what are, what are some other things that, that, that they have in verse, um, I can't remember now, um, where does he say that? Okay, yes. Yes. Um, no. Verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. What, any other translations have something different there? Everybody has believe. In verse 1. Yeah. Trust. Trusting us. So... So if there's this idea of trusting, trust is a spectrum. Like, I, I trust my wife behind the wheel, right? But the, but that has a spectrum, right? At some point I go, um, will you let me back up? Right? Or my children, yeah. Let, let me, let me pull forward and then I'll let you drive, right? So trust is a spectrum and that's the way it is. It's it, and it's a maturity. The more someone proves themselves, the more you can trust. Right. And God, Jesus is saying, you've got to trust. You trust in God. Where is he on the spectrum? Uh, it reminds me of Abraham believed God. What does it mean? He believed God. He left. He left everything and followed his Lord. That's what they have done here. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Right? Micah? Sometimes I feel like these ideas are really abstract. Yeah. Very good, yeah. So, God's been painting the picture all along of dwelling with us, in us, and then with Jesus in this place He's prepared. Yeah. 
Very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle knowing, trusting, believing, and completely turning yourself over to something that you haven't seen, right? Something that God hasn't removed your free will, right? Leanne? Very good, yeah. Redefining faith to see that Jesus is God. He is God coming to be, be the king. It, it, let his, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? I'm, I butchered that. Emery. Right. So it's, it's simple. Just trust like you, like a child would. Right. Okay. Um, well, I think we can spend another hour on that. Uh, there's so much there. Let's, let's, uh, and we can come back to some of those things. Let's see what else happens. If you would stand, we'll read from 15 through the end of the chapter. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said... But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave.
Right. Let me see it. Okay. So, anyone want to take a stab at summarizing that, or share something that you uh, you noticed, you observed from the text? Yeah, Raymond. Oh, good. Right, yeah. Yeah, and that that's that's what we're all doing here, right? We're trying to interpret the same things that the apostles heard. And we're trying to figure out how that applies to us. And may may we be as ardent as the apostles were when the spirit was given to them. Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have an accuser. Don't worry. I've got, I've got your legal defense. Okay? I've got your advocate. Your helper. Good. Go ahead. See, I'm gonna read that verse. I think we read it. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what it says. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Good. Sorry, say that last part again. The evidence of love. Right. Good. Yeah. And he, he said that, um, we didn't really talk about it, but in, in chapter 13, people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another, right? Um, people will know you're my followers if you love me, right? Good. Saw him. Yeah, Carrie. Right. I'll be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to send something to to help you. I'm going away, but I'm not leaving you. Yeah, it's interesting that he says, "I'm not, I'm not orphaning you," right? Um, So he's come from the Father, and now he's saying, "I'm not going to leave you as orphans. There's going to be another helper uh, to pull you through, carry you through." What else did you notice in this section? So what, what are some descriptions about, of the Spirit? What are some ways the Spirit's described? Let's notice as many of those things as we can. We want to learn what Jesus is teaching about the Spirit. What's some? What's one way? Yeah, Jen. Okay. This. Yeah, the spirit will never leave. Jesus is saying, "I'm going away," but the spirit will never leave. Okay, good. 
The Spirit dwells, tabernacles, just as Jesus tabernacled. The Spirit is going to tabernacle with them. It's going to dwell with them. Good. Mike? He's a revelator and a source of inspiration. Okay. He will reveal to them and he's going to inspire them based on causing them to remember everything that they experienced with Jesus while he was here on this earth and how it applies. Good. So, so when he says, you're going to look back and think about all these things, here's how he's going to make sure that happens. The Spirit is going to come and... Just keep reminding them of all the things that Jesus said. And it's probably why we have this today. Because John remembered the things Jesus said and wrote them down for us. Yeah, Jamie. Yep. A counselor, advocate. Yep. Kind of those legal terms. The legal defense we have against uh, the one accusing and... Uh, trying to condemn us. Yeah, Mike. The world cannot accept him, which is interesting. It doesn't say the world will not accept him, it cannot. Good, okay. The world cannot accept the Spirit. Good. Thoughts on that? Maybe just that he's, he's a, a heavenly being, and so he cannot be. Right? It, it reminds me of, uh, it's, this is gonna be foolishness to people who are wise. Right? And obviously that's worldly wisdom. Um, and if that's what you're into, this is gonna be really foolish. You're not gonna be able to accept this. Other things we learn about the Spirit. Yes, Steph? Okay, the Spirit is truth, right? So, it's interesting that we have two things, seemingly, two different persons or entities that are the truth. The Spirit and Jesus are both the truth. So again, we have this uh, paradox of uh, the Trinity, right? Yeah, Raymond? Right, yeah, yeah, the, the Spirit is, is a person. And, and you're right, a lot of times we refer to the Spirit as it. Um, and I think, I've, I heard one person say it, it's a travesty that, I think that, is it the King James Version that calls it the Holy Ghost? Like it's Casper or something? Um, and not God and not the all-knowing being, right? Um, yeah, Beth? Good. Yeah. So again, this is uh, uh, something that he's doing to comfort them and that the spirit, they will live in the spirit, right? Yes. Tony. Just the word spirit itself has a lot of connotations with things beyond just, like you said, a ghost. Uh, the, I mean, spirit is used in different ways. So not all spirit means the same thing. But think about all those broader contexts too, like breath and wind and 
authority and essence and the mental capacity and mind of something that this spirit that he's talking about here kind of embodies a lot of those same types of things. He's not he's not incarnate like Jesus, but he is an embodiment of God. And so what we get from here is not just uh, like he's a, like a ghost, but that he is God himself uh, with all power and authority uh, moving and uh, making influence on this world that we just don't change it to see. Right, there's so many things that encompass the work of the Spirit and, and just what that even looks like as far as um, motivation, um, truth, you know, the, the every, every, not, every bit of knowledge that God has, the Spirit is also contains that. Ryan? Yeah, and breathing it into us and it, it call, helping us call to mind things that we've, we've read in scripture and, oh, that, that applies here. Yeah, right? Well, I think I'm Paul saying have an attitude among you, which yes. is the same thing as having a spirit on you. It's sort of a, a way of behaving that's in accord with love. And so, you know, the opposition would be, well, give us a king or give us a vision of the Lord. And, you know, what, what he end up with out of that is slaves, right? I mean, any, any king is going to end up being the tyrant. So even the people that hated themselves and hated one another would have been forced to live in his leg. Versus having to see the Lord in all of the pain and hungry and the, the fulfillment of the things that we do here as the church. Um, which, is a, which is a path of love um, as opposed to slavery and, you know, enforced yeah, very good. Yeah, Jesus is just turning all that on its head. Um, you know, most most companies have a hierarchy, and they have the guy at the top, and then it gets bigger. It's the pyramid, right? And Jesus turns that upside down and says, I'm the one guy at the bottom, and I'm serving all of these people, and I expect them to serve everyone else. And that is the spirit, that is the attitude uh, that is the breath that's supposed to be breathed out um, and infiltrate all the kingdom and result in obedience to him. Yeah, boy. One other thing. The promises here that Jesus is making is to the apostles. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do want to spend a little more time on this on Wednesday um, and uh, maybe address that question of um, anything you ask, you'll receive. Uh, is that written to us? Uh, how are we supposed to take that? So uh, I want you to meditate on that. Think about that. And we'll start out Wednesday discussing that idea and then transition to 15. Thank you so much for your comments. Excellent class. I enjoyed it immensely.